Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of VMware's Partnership Perspectives. I'm Kathleen Tandy, Vice President of Global Partner and Alliances Marketing at VMware, and I'm pleased to bring you the stories and trends from VMware industry analysts, partners, and executives. Today, I'm joined by Jeffrey Kusters, CTO at ITQ, an EMEA-based consulting firm and managed services provider focused on delivering cutting-edge IT solutions around VMware's full product portfolio. In his role, Jeffrey leads a team of passionate technologists and consultants to define ITQ's technology strategy and go-to-market solutions to help customers succeed with VMware technology. During our conversation, we discussed the evolution of ITQ's business as they went all in on VMware, their commitment to staying on the leading edge of what's next, and the various drivers and challenges customers are facing with app modernization. Enjoy the full conversation now. Jeffrey, welcome to Partnership Perspectives. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, uh, Kathleen. Let's start with the company that you are a leader for, which is ITQ. ITQ is one of our leading services partners in Europe and has a long, fantastic history with VMware, but not everybody, maybe across the rest of the world may know about it. So would you share an overview of ITQ, the company, its focus and its history, and then what your role is now with ITQ for our listeners? ITQ was founded in 2001 by Francisco and by Paul, two technical guys who really wanted to start kind of a new IT company where they really focus and invest in the people of the company. And I think roughly 10 years ago, we really decided to strategically focus on VMware technology. So before that, we did all kinds of things, basically. So we had software development, we had a security practice, we did basically a lot of stuff. But 10 years ago, we really now decided to double down on our VMware strategy. And we've been relentlessly focusing on executing on that. And our mission is basically to become the best professional services company for VMware in EMEA. I'm the chief technology officer at ITQ. So I'm the CTO and I've been with the company for almost 10 years now. And when I joined ITQ, I was a VMware architect. So I did a lot of engagements in terms of designing and deploying data centers. Yeah, roles transitioned. Then I think two years ago, three years ago, I stepped into the leadership role at ITQ and I'm now the CTO. I was going to say, in your role as CTO, CTOs have a variety of different focus areas across different companies. What does it mean to be the CTO for ITQ? The CTO, I'm responsible for our technology strategy, of course, and I'm responsible for our propositions that we bring to the market. And I work very closely together with Francisco, who is one of the founders of uh, of ITQ. He's, of course, responsible for the commercial side of our propositions. But I'm working with a virtual team of technologists and what we call proposition owners to really follow the trends in the market, see where VMware is evolving, see where our customers are heading to. And we are basically creating the new services and propositions around it. And At this point in time, we deliver basically four propositions, which is everything related to cloud infrastructure, digital workspace, advanced security, and of course, modern apps, so app modernization. And ITQ has been traditionally a professional services only company. 
And I think for the last two years, we started to see a big shift in the customer demand where we decided to basically expand our our services into just doing professional services, which is very short-term focused, of course. You try to deliver the change to, to a customer and then you decide to really step away as soon as you can to go to the next project. But we did see that customers are really struggling to keep up with the complexity of the, the technology stack, finding the right people. So more and more customers asked ITQ to deliver day two services. So stepping in from a support and a managed perspective. And, and that's what we decided to start an MSP business unit inside of ITQ. And yeah, that's really working really well. We've been getting a lot of support from VMware, of course, and it's really now transitioning into becoming a full journey or a full service partner that we are today. That's great. I want to dig into more the growth and managed services and that new aspect of your company in a minute. But let's talk a little bit more about your career and what's led you to this particular role. You mentioned you've been with ITQ for almost around 10 years, but that's not where you started, right? You worked for several technology for several large, big multinational companies like Atos and ING. You look back around your career for those roles and then the other roles you've had at ITQ. How did those experiences, you think, help prepare you for the role that you're in now as CTO for ITQ? Yeah, I think working at the large companies like ING and Atos and, and KPN, which is a big service provider in the Netherlands. Of course, from my experience, the type of projects that you get to work on, the, the complexity of working on a global scale that really built my expertise as an architect. And it really allowed me to also learn how to deal with politics inside of large companies. You know, working in, in enterprise is really what kind of set, I think, me apart from some of the other people that I work with is that I like to work on the intersection of, of business and technology. So instead of just focusing on the bits and bytes of a, uh, of a certain solution, top of mind was always, how am I going to solve a real business problem with a piece of technology? I think that really brought me to the position that I am in today because it's so important because technology is just technology and it's really in our mission statement right now. We have a passion for technology and that every ITQ has that, but we, we are really focused on creating customer success. And that's really solving business problems. And that's what I really liked. And if I really compare the work that I did at these large companies and the cultural elements of it, and, and if I compare that to ITQ, yeah, that really opened my eyes because it was really good for my career. It really brought me a lot of experience, but working for a smaller company like ITQ, which is a really unique culture, of course, that was really helpful to me at the phase that I was in at that moment in my career. So all the opportunity that I got to develop myself, to kind of step out of my responsibilities and contribute even more to ITQ and to, to the customers, then that was solely my job. That, yeah, that really opened up a lot of opportunities. I really appreciate your comments around appreciating and understanding and valuing the intersection between business and technology, which I think is becoming even more and more important today. But that also seems to be part of the essence of ITQ as well. I mean, ITQ has never really been about just technology for technology's sake. It's always been very, very customer focused. So I would imagine that you fit right in with the, the ITQ culture with that type of a focus. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. We started a business unit or a team within ITQ, which we call IT transformation services. And that really aims to solve this problem because when we... We saw so many projects fail, to be honest, 
doing large-scale automation at, at customers and typical solution of other partners or, you know, with all respect, even when we're working with VMware was, you know, sell them free realized automation. But if you just deploy the technology in a data center, then that's only the start of the journey. So if you really want to be successful, you really need to consider, you know, what changes do we need to make within the IT organization? What processes do we need to optimize? How can we bridge the gap between the business and IT to really make a substantial impact with the solution that we bring? That's why we created the IT Transformation Services team, which is kind of a business consultancy or consultancy team. They are really not that much focused on the technology side, but much more on, well, the stuff that I described earlier. So setting up the governance, creating all the optimizations in the the organization. At the advent of people first starting to think about clouds and private clouds, or pretty much every time that we see a new kind of disruptive technology take hold, the biggest issues and barriers to adoption never fails to be the people and change management and process management that has to go along with it. And I think a lot of customers think it's just technology and they don't realize that it's really the broader transformation that's required for companies to realize the success and the benefits from the technology. Absolutely. Fully agree. Besides the business focus and the customer mind focus, you absolutely have strong, I'm going to call it street cred when it comes to your technology background. For those who don't know, I understand you're a double VCDX, right? For those who don't know, VCDX stands for that VMware Certified Design Expert. It's kind of like a PhD or a black belt in VMware. And those are no easy certifications to achieve for those who don't know it's kind of like writing a thesis. You have to defend it in front of a panel. It's a, a multi-year investment to develop that level of capability. I'm curious why it was important to you to not just achieve one, but two. And what is having that capability meant for your career? Yeah, I think part of it was working at ITQ because there were so many VMware rock stars working at ITQ. And when I was doing kind of the solution architecture work, you know, writing it down in a design is one thing, but actually implementing the technology and all the constraints and all the, the stuff going around an implementation of a technology, that was typically not something that I was doing on a day-to-day basis. So it's funny that you use the term street cred because to be honest, that was that was actually my intention. I wanted to prove to myself that yes, I can talk to customers and create strategic roadmaps and, and kind of all the, yeah, how do you say, the fluffy stuff. <laughs> but I also wanted to, to show that I could really go deep on the technology side as well. And, and I was very much stimulated by Francisco and by Paul to go for my VCDX. I think we were with two or three colleagues at that time and kind of working side by side on achieving VCDX. And the first two got their success. And then, yeah, that only motivated me more to really double down on the work I had because it's really kind of a full year, you know, stopping all your personal life basically and really diving into your design and doing all the mock defenses. So it, yes, it's, it was a heavy time. When I successfully uh, passed the uh, the exam, I was elated, was was really proud and really felt like getting my street cred uh, back again. So funny that you say it like that. The second one was kind of opportunistic, to be honest, because the first one I did around vSphere, so data center virtualization. I did my NSX implementation, so the, the VCAP exam for NSX, for network virtualization. And at that time, there was no design exam yet. So when I took the deploy exam and I passed it, 
basically the road was clear to do the uh, the VCDX on MV as well. I have a project in mind. I can write a design. Took me a bit longer than I expected, even for the second time, but was grateful to be able to pass it on my first try, uh, just like the first one. So, Congratulations on both of those. You know, there are less than 200 people on the planet who have a, a VCDX. I remember when we achieved our first 100 and a very small number of people on the networking side. So you know, just really kudos to you for seeing that through. It is a big commitment, and but fantastic to hear that it has really contributed to your career growth. And it has given you that street cred with your customers and the other folks at ITQ. It's great to hear how Francisco and Paul wanted to help support investing in you. I first met Francisco and Paul now about four years ago. It was 2018, and they had joined one of our partner leadership summits, and they were invited as one of our transformational partners, one that was really on the leading edge. And I think that from the start, Francisco and Paul have always had this mindset of continuing to learn, continuing to grow, continue to change, whether it's how they're running the company, the roles that they're playing. Do you also feel that part of the principle of ITQ is always wanting to be on this leading edge of growing and changing and taking on what's next? And what drives that? Yeah, I think you're spot on. Change is definitely a constant within ITQ. We're, we're always looking at the market, how it evolves, what the customers are demanding. Of course, the, the transitions that VMware is now currently in, we're always trying to stay ahead of the curve. We are always looking how we can change our business model, how we do we need to pivot in certain areas. And Francisco and Paul and our CEO, Robert, they, they are really driving that change constantly. So that really inspires me personally as a, as a leader. As I really like working with them. Francisco is always setting a, a really high pace. I don't know if he told you, but he's a big fan of Porsche cars, Porsche. Even when we did the remodeling of the new office, we have kind of teams for all our meeting rooms and we have a Star Wars room and a culture room. But of course, we also have a Porsche uh, GTR uh, RSR room. So, in, in, And the metaphor that Francisco is always using is if you really race hard, and you come over the finish without any damage, then you didn't drive fast enough. So he's always pushing us to go faster, but he's also basically what the entire leadership team does, or at least tries to do at ITQ, is trying to create kind of that, that safe atmosphere where it's okay to steer out of the, the corner at some, at some points and, and crash the car a little bit. As long as you get over the finish, then it's all good. I think ITQ has a special culture because I think it has some special leaders in place, and it's chosen great leaders such as yourself. Francisco was founder, CEO for a while. He stepped out of the CEO role so that he can lend his talents in the best way to the company. And I think that just sets the tone for everybody to have a, let's, let's experiment, let's try new things, see where it goes. Don't be afraid of bumping into a few corners as long as we're getting across the finish line. So it's a, it is a special place. From your vantage point, you mentioned that we you know one of your roles as CTOs is tracking trends. I find it interesting. You started by saying that in ITQ's long history, it used to do a lot of things. It used to focus on security and software development, and then you decided to you know kind of anchor in VMware and data centers and virtualization. As you were talking about your four proposition areas, one of them was now modern apps and software, and one of them was security. So. 
Yeah, I think eventually you've, you've embraced everything. But from your perspective, looking at the customer trends and the trends and how things are changing and needs are changing from customers, what are some of the top three trends that you've seen? And then we'll double click into managed services. But overall, how have you seen your customers' needs change the most over the last, let's say, three to five years? Yeah, of course, looking at, at the big trends in the market, yeah, first of all, it's of course the, the cloud adoption that's really uh, going uh, extremely fast in the last uh, last couple of years. Second would be, and I think it's tightly linked to the to the first one, is app modernization. I think all the companies that are looking to digitally transform, they need to be successful with their app modernization initiatives. So that's really important. Yeah, and I must say that security, I would say, is is the third one, which is a strategic theme for almost every customer and. The big change that we saw in the in the needs of our customer were a couple of years ago, it was mostly around delivering some highly skilled expertise and then stepping away. So much more customers looking for consultancy and professional services. Now, most customers or many customers are really looking for a much more long-term kind of solution where they get unburdened of all the complexity of technology because it's becoming so much for our customers. Dealing with the cloud providers, dealing with the complexity of Kubernetes and the cloud native landscape. And it's, it's becoming so extremely much that they're really looking for, well, I won't say a one-stop shop. I think that's a that's not the right phrase, but they do look more for kind of strategic partners to really help them end-to-end -end on their journey. Yeah, and I think that's behind, you were talking about how ITQ has expanded its services and portfolio from being those professional services, deployment type services to starting really bringing on both the support services and then the whole managed services practice. Is complexity and the complexity of the stack, do you think the primary driver for customers looking for those types of services? What else might be driving that? Or, or what do you think are, I'm sure there are multiple forces at play. What do you think are that driving? Because we're seeing it too across the board. Customers really seem to have a big appetite to have more help and not just installing, but continuing to help run it, if not outsourcing it to other partners. Yeah, exactly. I, th I think also a big part is that it's not for most, for many companies, it's it's not their core business to run an IT infrastructure or a cloud infrastructure. So many customers are now looking at, well, on one end, the complexity, and on the second end, it's not core to their business. And that kind of adds up to you know, the realization that maybe they need a specialized partner like ITQ to step in and, and take away some of that heavy lifting. I think the combination of those two factors really drives the customers looking to full service partners. I think a third one would be kind of the whole SaaS subscription trend that's going on. We see it in our personal lives as well. Everything is becoming subscription based. People want to rent. They don't want to buy anymore, even their IT services. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's marketed really smart by, by every company, basically. So... Yeah, they're looking forward to not dealing with all the assets and et cetera, et cetera, and just consuming it, basically. Has that changed the roles or the actual people in your customers that you work with? I asked this as you were saying, the IT infrastructure isn't necessarily core to their business. It's becoming more complicated. It's just harder to do, and it's not core to the business. But at the same time, we are seeing this massive digital transformation happening across all types of businesses where 
businesses that weren't technology companies are becoming technology companies. Technology is becoming intrinsic to how they engage with customers, how they engage with their employees, how they even deliver their solutions. So I'm wondering if both the technology becoming more important for the business, but not their core competency, I'm wondering if that has also changed the people in your clients who you work with. Are they more line of business focused? Are they more in different roles? Or does it still tend to be the IT guys? Historically, of course, ITQ has always been very infrastructure focused. But we also focused a lot on even a pivotal partner. We saw very early on that we needed to at least try to bridge that gap and, and talk to the development teams, and which are typically in, in kind of in, in the lines of business. Yes, we have really tried to, to kind of bridge that gap and get the conversation going with other personas than we used to talk to. Well, for VMware, but for IDQ as well, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that we have in really helping customers on their digital transformation journey. It is quite kind of difficult because when you're talking to the IT infrastructure team about the infrastructure is becoming more of a commodity, consuming it, it can be a difficult discussion because it's it's kind of like talking to the turkey around Christmas. It is kind of difficult. What we really try to do is really open the conversation with the IT infrastructure people is to let them see how more interesting and more significant their roles can be if they don't have to deal with all the daily operations and if they can really get closer to their business, their internal colleagues, which they very often don't even talk to that much, to really understand what's driving the business, what are the new needs that are, that are popping up, what are the new projects that are going on, and elevating the responsibility of the infrastructure team to be more relevant to the, to the business. I think if we're able to do that, then we're doing a really good job. And thankfully, it's, it's getting more successful in, in many companies and I have to say that we're now, thanks to the, the successes that we have around VMware Tenzu and the, the app modernization projects that we're doing, it does allow us to open up that conversation more and more, but I think we can always do better in that sense. I'm always happy when someone brings up VMware Tenzu. It's a fun topic, but talking about bridging between developers and the IT organizations, we've just heard a lot of the fact like you're dealing with two people on different planets. They don't necessarily speak the same language because they have different priorities. They're coming to the business from a different perspective and different needs. And I think from what we hear, developers see IT as not necessarily the enemy, but barriers, not letting them get their systems and the tools and the capabilities that they need to develop, develop fast, trial, change things, evolve quickly. IT organizations are looking at developers as compromising security. The company increasing a lot of costs because they're going around them and just buying workloads on various different clouds. I'm wondering how you have found success in helping to translate between those two audiences and how VMware Tanzu is a solution that helps kind of blend and address the needs of both worlds. I think it all starts with getting the commitment from a high enough level from the company. So when we're typically talking to the IT manager and his teams then or her teams, then it will become very difficult to kind of elevate the discussion and talk to the development teams. So typically what we would do is try to get a bit higher in the organization, try to find the people responsible for the development teams as well, and see if we can get a kind of a joint workshop going, talking about what are the needs of the developer teams, what are the capabilities that IT can deliver today, and what do they need to develop in order to, to better support the development teams. Like I mentioned before, that, that is always a difficult task 
what's really helping and fully aware that we're not going to be able to solve this entire problem with a product. But what I really like about the direction that VMware is heading with Tenzu is with Tenzu application platform, kind of delivering that, you know, a pluggable application platform, a pluggable architecture where we can really enable the development teams to push their code into production really easy, optimize the developer experience. And on the other side, run it on any Kubernetes flavor, which is, well, typically something that the infrastructure team or the platform team would typically deliver. And in that sense, we can really get the teams to work together because we're kind of converging on this application platform. And I think that's a really, really powerful position that we, well, VMware and the partners are now in to elevate the discussion alongside the product. So yeah, it's really promising. Well, it's great to hear that the intention is actually playing out in the marketplace because that's absolutely the part of the driving principles behind that platform is how do we help address the needs of both the IT organization that you know has to run it, but satisfying the needs of the developers. And it's all about getting applications out in market faster and then being able to improve it. So I'm glad I didn't have to say it. A lot more credibility when you say it with your VCDX street cred. In the modernizing applications, that also is a big growing area for not only for us, but our customers and area of concern. What do you see as some of the key drivers for companies in driving to modernize their applications? And what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that they face? I think the drivers here is the pace of innovation in the market. What the pandemic really showed us is that companies that were able to quickly adapt and be flexible and nimble with their applications and the services that they deliver to the market, the companies that were already ahead of the digital transformation curve and already work with modern applications, these were typically the companies that yeah, were really successful in dealing with the challenges that, that COVID brought us. If you look at, at the challenges for the companies that are now looking to modernize their applications, it's I think the biggest problem is how they're going to scale. How do you build the teams that are going to really deliver the platform that you need to modernize your applications? We see a lot of customers now jumping on the notion of, of building platform teams, which is, I think, a really good evolution of kind of infrastructure, platform, and then enabling the services for the developers, for the dev teams. Even there, the biggest challenge is who's going to be part of that platform team and, and how are you going to scale? Because finding the talent in the market right now, that's challenging for partners, but I think it's even more challenging for customers. So yeah, that, that's something we really need to solve. <laughs> it comes back to those IT transformation services, doesn't it? That it's here again as an example of, it's around how do we quickly modernize the applications, but things that need to be thought through is how do we define the teams? How do we structure the teams? How do we manage and govern the teams? Who's on the team? How do they work together? Kind of comes back down to the people and process trends too. Yeah, and in an entirely new way, of course, because the processes and the roles that we need to successfully deliver platform services, these are different from what we used to do on the infrastructure side or on the digital workspace side. So it's new territory for a lot of a uh, lot of customers, and not every customer is already fully on board on of the idea that they really need to have a team responsible for the platform. Otherwise, it's demarcation discussions all over because nobody's owning the platform. Otherwise, the infrastructure team says, well, my Kubernetes is running, so we're all good. The developers are not enabled. They miss all kinds of stuff to really deploy this, the, their code into production. So there's no software release 
pipeline or anything in place. So if, if nobody's owning it, then it's, it's becoming a really big challenge to be successful. Of course, translating that into opportunities for VMware for partners like ITQ, I think it's especially in that space. So not so much a, a technical problem that we need to solve, but very much kind of a cultural and a people problem that we need to solve in that area. I saw the same thing now about seven, eight years ago when companies started adopting the internal private cloud type of model. As more things change, the more things stay the same and we keep coming back to the same types of principles. Although you mentioned the roles are different, the use cases are different, what people are trying to solve, but we keep coming back to those same principles. And I think with ITQ's approach to working with customers, you're again positioned to be one of the leading partners in working with customers and helping deliver that success. You use the word talent, and we've talked about talent from customers lacking talent across their bench to deal with the complexity of the different technology trends and the acceleration of digital transformation we're seeing. Talent also needs to be core to ITQ in order to be able to stay current and meet the needs of the customers. And you also started at the very, very beginning talking about ITQ as a place that invests in people. Wondering if you can tell me how ITQ has become a special place that thinks about its people, invests in its people. What are some of your core principles? And maybe how has this changed over the last couple of years as you as leaders have also had to navigate through a pandemic and a huge war for talent? First of all, investing in people has been, that was kind of the foundation of the idea of Paul and Francisco when they started ITQ because they realized at the company that they were working for that all the, the consultants that were performing really well, the company was not investing in them because they were doing a good job. They were earning their money. And that, that really frustrated both Paul and Francisco. As I always understood, the starting point for IDQ, and that never changed. So we are continuously investing in our people. We carve out dedicated time from all the billable hours that we need to deliver to our customers. So we, we carve out dedicated time for people to take training, to attend live fire trainings at VMware, to go to conferences like, like VMworld. I will never forget the moment when I joined ITQ that we were in a meeting. We were not as big as we are today, but we were five or six, seven people maybe doing stuff around VMware. Then Paul was telling us when VMworld was coming up that, well, guys don't feel obliged to go to VMworld. It's not mandatory. So if you have a really good reason to not attend, it's not a problem. And for me, that was kind of the other way around as I was used to, because previous companies, of course, you had to well almost move mountains to attend a tech conference like VMworld. And at IDQ, it was normal that every consultant was going to VMworld. And that's becoming part of our culture as well. So we're going to Barcelona. I think we're with almost 70 people from ITQ going to attend VMware Explorer. So that will be... A logistic nightmare, of course, but yeah, I think we will have such a good time together, of course, and, and we will have a great impact on the event because our company color is, of course, orange. So if you're in Barcelona, you see 70 orange shirts passing by, then you know it will be ITQ. I'm imagining that the investment that you are making in your people and that core principle has probably helped you hold on to your talent and be able to grow over the last couple of years. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you look at the last two years in the pandemic, 
to insane numbers. I think we grew with almost 30 or even more people. So it's it's insane. When we have an gatherings now in person, you really have to look around and see, oh, these are all new colleagues and really exciting times. And what I really like is what we do at ITQ is we really try to make that unique culture that we have at ITQ, we try to make it explicit. So we decided to write down what is that unique ITQ culture. We created all slides and, and diagrams and, and we had conversations with people and a working group. So we really invested a lot of time in trying to capture that culture because we were growing really fast. We're even growing outside of the Netherlands and Benelux, of course. So we opened up our office in Germany. We have several more big plans ahead of us. So retaining and, and even improving that culture when we scale out across Europe, basically, that's, that's really essential to, well, staying ITQ as we grow. During the pandemic, we, we really missed each other as colleagues and as co-workers. So we decided to create a new program, which we call IT Connect with the queue of ITQ, of course. And that's basically a program where we, throughout the year, within teams, across teams, we have so many formal and informal moments where we get to meet, share knowledge, share experience, but also have fun, of course, over barbecues and et cetera, et cetera. We really try to stay on top of things when it comes to staying connected to each other as ITQers. Yeah, that's some great best practices for any leader thinking about how to maintain talent and stay connected and engage with employees, which is continuing to be, I think, one of the biggest challenges being a leader in any company over the last couple of years. And fantastic to hear how ITQ has grown so much and been able to attract and keep talent with that focus on being connected. Question for you on another form of connections. And we were talking about the complexity of the just the technology stack and the pace of technology adoption and how much ITQ has grown in its scope, right, with your four proposition areas around cloud, digital workspace, security, and modern apps. But it is hard for one partner to do everything. And I know that one of the other ways that ITQ is on the leading edge is creating deep partnerships with other partners. And one of those in particular is TerraSky, which is one of our other leading kind of services. And I think you even have a joint venture called SkyTQ. Again, probably one of those other Francisco ideas. Can you tell me a little bit about how this partnership came to be? Because a lot of partners feel like they can't work with another partner. They don't want to sacrifice their competitive advantage. So I'm curious as to how this came to be, how this fits in your business and growth strategy, and how this is serving both the needs of both companies and your customers. First of all, ITQ has always been very strong in in partner-to-partner engagement. I think the notion comes from where we used to do professional services. So a lot of other partners were very keen to work with us. And and TerraSky especially, the friendship, as I might even say, uh, started at PLS, as I understood from from Francisco. In in fact, I actually, I think that happened at the 2018 Partner Leadership Summit, where we had this opportunity to bring partners together. It was really great as, as I hear the stories about how they share the same ideas and foundations around how to work with customers and, and how to work with your employees, all the the stuff that we thought was really unique to the ITQ culture. We saw so many similarities with, with TerraSky. Yeah, there's now yeah, what we call an, an informal strategic alliance. We have regular knowledge sharing sessions with a team. We even visited the TerraSky offices in Israel and 
they're planning to come to the Netherlands as well. And it's, it's, it's really working really well because they have rock stars in their competence areas. So we're really helping each other. Why that really works is, well, of course, it's kind of the regional focus that's different. So that does help. We, we, we don't engage on, on the same customers, of course. But even if that would happen, I think one of the, how do you say, the biggest benefits of working with a partner like, like TerraSky is that we're not kind of debating the individual pieces of the pie, but we're working together to make the entire pie bigger around the services that we, we both deliver. And to be honest, I did see that a lot at PLS. It was my first time and, and talking to the other partners, I think there's a lot of good opportunity there to do even more from a partner-to-partner perspective. Again, ITQ seems to always be on the leading edge of how can we innovate? How can we take on what's next and continually grow and learn? And I think the partnership with TerraSky is just another example of that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you enter into another one in terms of sharing best practices. You have such a fantastic growth mindset when it comes to your business and as well as then coupled with a commitment to your customers helping them achieve their results. And I think your employees and all of it has been a, a fantastic mix and a recipe for great success for you, for all of ITQ and your customers as well. I'd love to wrap up with just a couple of fun questions, Jeffrey, as I look at the time we spent together. What are you reading or listening to these days, whether it's a podcast, a show or a book or something that is kind of inspiring you for what's ahead? I watched First Men on Netflix, which is about Neil Armstrong and, and the landing on the moon, of course. And it's so inspirational, of course. It's a really great movie. And there is this really excellent podcast, which is from the BBC World Service, called 13 Minutes to the Moon, which covers the entire journey from the rallying speech by Kennedy to go to the moon to actually stepping on the moon. So, yeah, very inspirational and Next up, we'll be uh, actually reading the book, The First Man on Which the Movie Was Based. I really liked it. Oh, I love that. A great example of how it was something inspirational. But I have to say, technology played an enormous part in helping achievement and the whole effort overall advanced so many of the technologies that we're reaping the benefits from today. So great suggestion. I'll have to add that to my movie list. What was the best piece of advice you've ever received, either professionally or personally? I'm still struggling a bit with the implementation, but I really learned from Francisco is creating routines and habits throughout the week to really stay on top of all the hectic stuff that's going on throughout the week. As we grow into more demanding roles, of course, there's always something going on and being able to rely on a structure and a routine that already helped me a lot. It's fascinating that that came from Francisco because I don't tend to think of him that way. I think of him as the idea guy. So really, really interesting. It reminds me, there's a fantastic book, if you haven't heard of it, called Atomic Habits, which is a great foundation core on the power of instilling those and just small little changes, which can have a really powerful effect. So love that advice. And then lastly, what do you think is going to be the most the technology that's going to be the most disruptive for our industry, which is just constant disruption, but if you think maybe in the next three to five years, what do you think is on the horizon as the next big disruptive technology? Oh, that's an interesting question. I really think if you look at the concepts around blockchain, I, I do actually believe that they can be really transformational and disruptive 
to a lot of industries. When you look at healthcare, if you look at, you know, every sector has or industry has something around data consistency and data reliability. And I think the whole idea around blockchain is really going to be disruptive there. Love it. Well, I think the whole, as you talked about data consistency, data reliability, and just the increasing challenges to security overall, it makes sense that that can be not necessarily disrupting, but help a technology that's going to help advance a lot of people's initiatives in a lot of ways. So fantastic answer. Well, Jeffrey, I've so enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much for joining me on Partnership Perspectives. And I can't wait to see all of ITQ's 70 orange shirts at Explore in Barcelona. Excellent. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that conversation with Jeffrey. It isn't every day we get to sit down with a double VMware certified design expert. I particularly enjoyed discussing Jeffrey's passion for working at the intersection of business and technology, how ITQ embraces partner-to-partner engagements, and ITQ's unwavering dedication to investing in their people and maintaining a best-in-class culture. I hope you enjoyed this conversation too. To learn more about VMware, please visit VMware.com. To connect with Jeffrey, you can find him on LinkedIn or on Twitter at at Jeffrey Kusters. Thank you for joining me on this episode today. Remember to subscribe, follow, and review VMware Partnership Perspectives podcast from your streaming platform of choice. For more information on VMware's partner programs, please visit partnerexecutiveedge at VMware.com. I'm Kathleen Tandy. Thanks for listening and see you next time.